Hey there, if you are ready to build your service-based business from scratch and ditch your nine to five, then I want you to head on over to shedidherwaypodcast.com forward slash leap and download my free ultimate leap checklist and starter kit. Again, you can head to shedidherwaypodcast.com forward slash leap to download my ultimate leap checklist and starter kit to get started on building your service-based business and ditching your nine to five. Hello and welcome to She Did It Her Way, a podcast dedicated to helping you launch a business that allows you the freedom to create from anywhere, design your own schedule in a way that supports you, and pursue what it is that lights you up. I'm Amanda Boleyn, your host, and it is time to do it your way. And now for today's episode, I am hanging out with Maggie Lord, who is the founder and editor of Rustic Wedding Chic and Rustic Wedding Guide. So Maggie created a website and tools for brides 10 years ago before Pinterest and Instagram inspiration were even a concept to provide a space for ideas, inspiration, and resources for brides looking for similar things she needed when planning her own wedding. In this episode, we talk about the importance and the importance of speaking to a specific niche when it comes to your audience and how that can be profitable. See how working with advertisers and brands have changed. Discover the different ways of monetizing your brand or online business. Master consistent methods for dealing with change. And then acquire tips for yielding your biggest ROI in your day-to-day of business life. Okay, today I am hanging out with Maggie Lord, who is the founder and editor of Rustic Wedding Chic, and I'm super grateful and excited to have her on as the guest. So Maggie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, why don't you, in your own words, share with my listeners who you are, what is it that you do, and then we'll dive into your journey of Rustic Wedding Chic and everything else that you have going on. Okay, great. Yeah, so I am Maggie Lord. I'm the founder and editor of RusticWeddingChic.com and RusticWeddingGuide.com, which is our vendor guide listing. And I created this website and these tools for brides who were planning a very rustic and country elegant wedding um, almost 10 years ago now when the wedding blog world was a little bit different than it is today. Uh, And I really wanted to be able to provide a space filled with ideas and inspiration and resources for brides who were looking for very similar things that I was looking for at the time when I was planning my own rustic wedding. And now 10 years later, and with five books under my belt, soon to be six books, um, it's been an incredible journey of things that I could not even imagine when I started. Uh, I went from being engaged to getting married to three kids later and running a business and being a mom. And it's just been a really wonderful, great journey as an entrepreneur. And I'm very grateful that I get to be able to do it every day. Yeah. Congratulations too. I know. Oh my gosh. Six books. Holy smokes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, we, we did the first one and then we followed up quickly with the second one. And I did three books in three years and then took a little break and then had two other books come out. And now I'm working on another book, which I'm really excited about back kind of with my base of wedding inspiration. So Yeah. Well, and I definitely want to dive into your books and a little bit about how you manifested them and then wrote them and what gave you the inspiration. But first I want to go back to, so you've been doing Rustic Wedding Chic for almost 10 years at this point. What were you doing at the time when you started it and how did it, 
what type of role did rustic wedding chic play in your life in the beginning early stages it's such an interesting way that it all kind of unfolded and i like to say it was like the most organic process because i was um finishing graduate school i was a middle school science teacher uh and i was engaged and we wanted to have a very rustic but a very elegant wedding in the tiny midwestern town where my family's had a summer house for 65 years and i kept explaining things to my you know my husband my fiance at the time about what I, what I envisioned and very elegant. And I was going to be bringing all of our friends and family to this very small town and it's so charming. And how could I translate that into a wedding? And he would kind of look at me like, yeah, sure. But I, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, what do you mean you want a canoe filled with drinks? And I was like, oh, I need visuals. I have to be able to like share my ideas with not just him, but anybody else who is helping me in the wedding planning process. Uh, you know, any vendors and we were working with them in Wisconsin, but we live in Connecticut. So it was a lot of back and forth. And this was in 2008. There was no Pinterest at the time. There was no Instagram. So it wasn't as easy as Brides Have It Today where they could just pull up a beautiful image by typing in like Rustic Wedding and be able to share it. It's so, so crazy to think of lives with, like not having social media because now it's such an integral part of our day to day. So sorry, I didn't want to derail you, it, but it is when you think about it, I'm like, oh my gosh, no, we didn't have Pinterest. And then, yes, then it's true. I always point that out to people because it has changed the way you would plan a wedding now, being able to communicate your ideas than 10 years ago. So I always say it was before Pinterest. You know, I had wedding magazines that I was like pulling pictures out of and sending them to like the florist and that sort of thing. Um, but I really felt that there had to be a way to find this information online. And I was Googling and Google images would come up with some things, but there, there wasn't that many wedding blogs. I mean, I always say like there was style me pretty, but it was still kind of in the newer stages. And I followed Martha Stewart online and would read like the knot, um, both as their magazine, but also like their little wedding blog. But it wasn't like today where there's so many different wedding blogs and I said to my husband, look, if I'm looking for this, I know there are other brides out there too, just dying to find good images and pictures. And what I kind of found was that if I started Googling more the wedding photographers who would have a wedding, would have their website and they'd have up all the weddings that they photographed. If I spent time going through all of those weddings, I would find images of what I was looking for to be able to communicate. And I was like, there has to be a way to get the image from the photographer and put it on one site. And like the word blog wasn't even really something that was more of like a personal web log. You know, it wasn't blog in like the word today where it can have like sort of any sort of style or theme. Um, and so I was like, I think if I email wedding photographers and say, can I share your idea? They might say yes. And that's what I started doing. Um, and it was less than a year later that it formed into a company and I left my teaching job and boom, it was just took off because my inclination was right. There was lots of other brides and couples looking for the exact same thing. I was getting emails where they'd say, do you know a barn in Michigan where I can get wedding or get married? You seem to know everything in like the rustic wedding world. And I was like, I live in Connecticut. I don't know what's in Michigan. <laughs> um, but let me start Googling and let me start these for you. And that is how the company was built. Mm -hmm. What gave you the confidence to, I mean, okay, let me back. Yes. What gave you the confidence to 
quit your teaching job at the time in which you did? Was it, did you have a business plan? Was there just a feeling inside of you? Were you making money? Like, what was it for you that gave you the confidence to take the leap? So, I mean, I kind of worked backwards and, and anybody who asks for advice with being an entrepreneur, I always say like, it's best to come up with a plan. And I am a planner, but I did not have a formal business plan put together. Once the blog really started rolling and we were getting some advertisers, but it wasn't like it is today where we worked with major companies. Like we had mom and pop companies or Etsy vendors just giving us small amounts of advertising dollars to be put on like the side, the right-hand side of the blog. So something that made a lot of money in the beginning. But I started to have this idea that if I treated it as a business, I thought that I would be able to soon replace my teaching salary. And, you know, it wasn't, I I did not get a business loan. I had an investment of like $1,800 that I invested personally. And that was to like get a trademark and work with a lawyer to make sure that I actually had a company Uh, created an LLC and got a logo created. And that was the entire investment for the company that was like out of my own pocket. Um, And, but I had this idea that if I treated it as a company and I was really disciplined and it wasn't just like, Oh yeah, I work from some days I work and some days I don't like, I got up every day and I worked just like I would anybody else nine to five in my office, but it was just from home. Um, And I, the first year that it really took off, I was, I worked all summer long because I was off from teaching. And that is what gave me the confidence. I was like, okay, if I treat it like a business and I just did all summer and we were able to see so many gains for the company, not just in advertising dollars, but in exposure and things like that, I know I can make it into a company. Um, And so we didn't really have a formal business plan, but I knew what I needed to do in order to make X, Y, and Z to replace my salary. And it was only me. Like we didn't have a team of people. I didn't have tech specialists. I didn't have anybody helping Mm -hmm. me with social media. Like I wore every single hat in the company and I was very glad that I did because now that we are a little bit bigger, I know how to do everything. Like I have played all those roles. And so I feel like I understand what, what each part of the company, why it's important and why it needs to be done the right way. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I have so many questions from that answer too. So I'm going to, the first one I'm going to start with is in this day and age of social media, I know like it could, it may be easy to assume that rustic wedding chic is an overnight quote unquote overnight success. But like we had stated and you shared before it started in 2009. So share with us the journey, like what the journey has been like for the past nine years, you've been in business in terms of what advice do you have for those listening who are in the early stages of their business and may find themselves on the verge of giving up? You know, it is, it it has changed. The game has changed. Like you mentioned with social media, there was competition because there was other wedding blogs and wedding magazines and things, but there was not nobody who was our niche at the time. And I was very proud that it grew out of an organic place and that I didn't look and see where there was a hole in the marketplace and try to fill it, you know? So I felt like my readers really connected with me because they knew that I had experienced the same thing they were going through. Um, but I, I think with social media today, it just makes it harder to stand out. Um, you know, especially just take Instagram. There's, you type in like weddings and there's (laughs) 
hundreds of thousands of accounts that show up and it, it, it makes it really hard to stand out. We were very fortunate that when Pinterest really started to pop, especially in the wedding world, we were one of the first uh, companies or blogs to, to work with Pinterest and we became a business account. And from there, we got tons and tons and tons of traffic and we have like 160,000 followers more now wow. on Pinterest. And that, that was really helpful in our business. But we even think with like Instagram, you have to, you can't capture everybody. You can't get, you know, like you're not a Kardashian, right? Like not mm. everybody is interested in the one thing you're doing. So focus on your niche and focus on how to really connect with the most amount of people within that niche who really cares about it, right? Cause you want strong consumers, you want strong readers, you want strong um, investors, you know, that sort of thing. And so you want to make sure that you're not just connecting with anyone because eyeballs on your social media or eyeballs on your blog are great. But if they're not a reader who keeps coming back, who keeps buying your merchandise, whatever it is that you're trying to get them to do, it does help you. Um, so I always say, try to connect with just who your goal reader is. So if you're on Instagram and you're like us in the wedding market, then you can't just be like anything weddings. You have to find a way to capture them, whether it's having a specific niche, a specific look or a specific resource for somebody. Did you, I mean, kind of a, a follow-up question to that. Did you ever once feel like you wanted to get an inkling to expand outside of rustic wedding chic in terms of weddings? Cause I know you have expanded into other demographics like baby, which I want to talk about too, but like, yep. you know, that typical like entrepreneurial, like, Ooh, shiny object. That seems good. Maybe I should do yeah. that. Like, how did you, if you did, how did you work through that to really contain yourself to stay specific? So in the beginning, I, we knew that one of the reasons why we like quote unquote popped and got, you know, so many millions of readers monthly on the blog was because we had a very specific niche. And when you typed in rustic wedding, anything we came up. Um, I mean, this is now like five, six years ago. There's a, you know, a lot of other things now come up when you Google rustic weddings or rustic wedding ideas, but starting back nine years, you know, we were the only thing. So we knew that we were standing out and we were getting a lot of attention because we were that niche. And I remember getting advice from somebody who I was in a meeting and he said to me, why don't you just drop the rustic and do wedding chic? And I was mm. like, huh. And like, this was somebody who had had a lot of experience, you know, with the internet companies. And I thought, yeah, you know, maybe he's really onto something. Like we could be like the knot, we could be like Martha Stewart, you know, we could be huge because we could capture so many more brides because it'd be this big general look of weddings. And after a couple of weeks, I said to myself, wait, that's crazy. How am I going to compete with Martha Stewart and the not? The thing that sets us apart is that we are rustic. We're country. It's backyard. You know, like it, the word, the term rustic is more of an umbrella term. It really takes into account lots of different looks. But I thought to myself, oh, my goodness, I am here thinking that I'm going to take on the big companies and surrender my little niche and my base and there's no guarantee that when you drop rustic and you just become wedding chic that you are going to be able to capture all of these people. And I thought, you know, it's probably better that I stay within my niche and my reach and deal with this maybe smaller pool of readers, but very passionate. And I always felt like it was really, really great to be kind of the big fish in the small pond as opposed to just 
one of many, many, many fish in a huge pond. And we could rule this sort of wedding area and be the best at it. And now looking back on that conversation, I'm so glad that I didn't decide to give up on just this one kind of look and go with a bigger, a bigger type of company, you know, to reach more people. Cause there's no guarantee that that would have worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That I very, thank you for sharing that too, especially cause I know sometimes, I mean, even myself, I found it that if I'm having a conversation with someone who I respect and, and know that has a lot of, um, history or experience sometimes we want to default to say well because they said it then I need to like do something about it when at really sometimes we find ourselves we just have to listen to what we know because we have all the answers inside of us I agree completely and I think when you're an entrepreneur it is very easy to say well they're doing this so I think I should be doing that or you know look how they've expanded we need to expand that way And I am no different. I have totally had those conversations with my team and, you know, say, look what this company is doing. We need to be doing more of that. But every time that I kind of take a step back from that or I say, okay, let's talk about it again in a couple of weeks. And I think about whatever the decision is I'm trying to move forward on. I always come back to this place of like, we have to be us because if we're not us, then we're going to lose the, what that original reader who, why they fell in love with us. And we have readers who stay with us through the years because they're in the wedding industry or something. But, you know, our readers change because they get engaged, they get excited, they plan their wedding, they have their wedding, and then they, you know, move on to other events in their life. And so we need to make sure that every new bride or every new couple that comes to the site or sees us on social media, that they are just as excited as the person was almost 10 years ago now when they first saw the web and saw what we were doing on Pinterest and on the blog. Mm. That actually brings up a question that I didn't even think about prior to the interview, but so your, your demographic is in the wedding industry. People, hopefully you aim to get married once. So you have this person that comes to the site and wants a rustic wedding, gets all the information that they need. They have their wedding and then boom, they're done. So how, what is your thought process or how do you, um, go about strategy wise, figuring out how to keep content or the site the way that it is so that you can still continue to grow, even though maybe the visitors aren't lifetime visitors. Whereas like take ink.com, for example, you might like, if you're a regular reader, you're always probably going to go back because there's always going to be new content that would potentially be relative. So like, what is the thought process around that? So we know that we have a, we have several different types of readers because we've done lots of research on this and we have one reader who is a bride or a couple, um, you know, a groom, uh, who comes to the site pretty regularly and is very passionate about reading our tips or seeing our ideas or following us on social usually for the year, year and a half that they're married. Um, And then like anything after your wedding is over, you move on in your life and you're not actively searching wedding blogs anymore. So we know we have that reader and they're extremely dedicated to us in that time that they are in the active stages of planning their wedding. Then we have another reader who we kind of follows us for a little bit longer and it's the wedding industry professional. So it's a florist or it's an event planner or a venue. 
and it's, you know, their industry. And so they are reading our site to stay up on trends to see, you know, what's happening as far as colors or uh, theme ideas, things like that. And so they are constantly reading the site and we see them. I've, I have relationships now with people who have said, I've been reading you since your early days. Um, you know, and so that, that is really fantastic. Cause I feel like I, we have this longer follower. Um, and it leads me to why did we create rustic baby uh, com, And we have an Instagram handle for rustic living chic because mm. about, mm, let's see, my oldest son is going to be seven. And it was around the same time. I think seven years ago, I got an email from someone who said, I planned my entire wedding with you. And now a year later, I'm planning my baby shower and I'm so excited. Do you have any ideas about how to have the same sort of look and feel for a baby shower? (laughs) And I was like, I emailed her back and I was like, that is so crazy because I'm pregnant with my first son and I'm doing, of course, like a rustic kind of chic little nursery and I'm looking for ideas and I'm on Pinterest and and she thought, said to me in this email back, you know, I just can't give up your style and your look just because my wedding's over. And I said, you know, now that I'm going into this next phase of life, I want to be able to grow with our reader. And so the baby, she, again, grew from like this very nice organic place because I was having my first child and I was all excited about it. And so we kind of grew with our reader. We knew that that was like another stage that we could connect with them on. And then just this past year, we we launched just an Instagram handle for Rustic Living Chic um, because so many of our readers were like, I love the look and feel I play in or now I found you through Rustic Baby Chic. And they want to be able to bring that idea and that feel into their home and in that sort of nesting world that they're in. And either it, they just got married and they're, they're starting with their first home or somebody is just crushing on the ideas of a beautiful cabin someplace, you know. So um, we I kind of feel like I draw from all the inspirations, the different parts of my life. We spend our summers in northern Wisconsin where I got married and inspired the entire company. And I get to live a completely different life up there than I do in Connecticut. It's, you know, in the woods and it's on the lake and everything is very rustic chic and my kids get to experience the summer in a completely different spot than on the coast in Connecticut outside Manhattan. And it's just, it's such a nice, wonderful feel up there that I love that I get to be able to share that with our readers. And so like I said, we launched it this year, but it was actually like just a couple of weeks ago and mm. we've already seen lots of our followers coming over to follow us on rustic living chic. So it's, it's, it's kind of a cool idea now that we get to play a little part in everybody's different phases of their life. Yeah, I mean, it, it's extremely inspiring too. just to, I mean, even for me interviewing you and then I can just imagine the listeners listening, it's it's really inspiring to think about, okay, how does, how can I expand and grow my brand in three, five years? What is it going to look like? How does it fit into my life at, at that moment? And so hearing you and how you've expanded is really very inspiring. Uh, I question about the, um, how do you, like, what was it first like? for you and even just with all of your brands that you have now what is it like uh, working with advertisers and brands and how has that changed and what have you learned from from the beginning in the earlier days to how do you handle that relationship and interaction now yeah it it really has changed I mean in the beginning it was all about connecting with kind of these smaller uh, advertisers and you would see on any site but definitely on Rustic Wedding Chic we'd have 
tons of advertisers, like I said, from Etsy or individual invitation um, houses or a calligrapher. You know, there were so many different like one-on-one advertisers that we would work with and they'd pay you either monthly or by impression. And you kind of had this relationship and then slowly it shifted maybe one or two years after, maybe like, I guess, two years after um, the blog really took off to that. We were working with having ads on the site and we were working with different media companies that had clients and then they would take an ad buy and all these things. And that advertising at that time for us was the only thing we needed to do um, to have great revenue for the company. I mean, we were able to build a company with six figures because advertising was just the only way that we needed to monetize. And it was not about, we did not do sponsorships. There was no sponsored content. Um, There was no social media sponsorships at the time. And it was just all about placing great ads on the site. Quality ads, we really felt always strong that we wanted our reader if there was an ad that it was either for a honeymoon destination or anything that, you know, had to do with like in the wedding, we wanted our, our readers to be able to feel like we were bringing ads that, you know, could actually fold into something that they were doing with their wedding or at that point in their life. Um, and then, you know, it was about maybe four years ago that we started to see a decline in those things, not just us, everybody. And I mean, the, the term like ad apocalypse has popped up, mm-hmm. you know, everywhere. P- brands, blogs like us had to figure out there was a shift. No longer could you just work with like Google ads and just have throw ads up there and be able to, to you know, monetize your site. You needed to become a force in your industry and you needed to prove your readership, improve your social and work with brands more one-on-one do like an ad buy with you and they'd spend, you know, whatever the dollar amount was and they were going to get two sponsored blog posts and you were going to do three Instagrams for them and a Facebook live, you know? So it started to really shift that you had to work one-on-one and build those partnerships and relationships. And we were kind of in a lucky spot because we had worked with a lot of companies before and being in the wedding industry, I was able to kind of reach out to people that I've met through different industry events and things and we were able to work with them and, and do some great sponsorships. Um, and, you know, we worked with Kodak recently and Fujifilm um, like two or three years ago um, to really bring great large sponsorships um, to our readers. And then we work on a daily basis with all sorts of wedding industry people, but on a much smaller, um, whether it's a sponsored post to sponsored Instagram. Um, and we, we work really hard with our advertising team to make sure that we are bringing content that we feel our reader should either know about is going to care about is going to add something to their wedding planning process. Um, and then we were able to monetize, uh, in a different way with things like signing a book deal, um, and we licensed our name about a year ago. We have a, many different products that will be coming out with this licensing company um, this spring, everywhere from stationery to like wine glasses and tabletop to wall decor. Um, and that that has been a really fun venture to work on. But we started to see about four years ago that not only could we rely on advertising, we needed to be able to kind of monetize in many different ways. And that was important for us because 
we realized with the internet, like so many companies realize, you know, things change, your Google rankings going to change, your social media following is going to change. And you need, you can't rely on one source. You need to be diversifying how you bring in, you know, your, your money to your company and you need to be able to always know where you're going to go next so that when something shift in the industry, you can still monetize your brand. I love that you guys are doing that and you are stressing and emphasize the fact that like social media changes, the internet changes. And I know a lot of people are emphasize even on the internet, like don't put all your eggs in Instagram. Don't do it all the way in Facebook because we don't actually control those platforms. So focusing energy on places that you can find traction and then also grow through the revenue piece as well. How do you like with all everything you're going on to, I imagine you had to be a pretty efficient, like high optimizing individual. How do you manage your day to day and what sort of systems do you use and talk to us about like some of your non-negotiables and how do you set yourself up for success? Yeah, it's, it's wild at my house. Let me just say that. I mean, (laughs) I am now a mom of three boys raging. I have one who's going to turn seven next month. I have a three-year-old and a six-month-old. Oh my God. So the idea of being an entrepreneur, uh, when I started the company 10 years ago, you know, is much different, um, than the type of entrepreneur I am now. I call myself a mompreneur. I worked and have written many articles on the idea of something I call a nap time entrepreneur. I make great strides in what I need to do when the kids are napping or, uh, my middle guys at preschool and my older son is in elementary school. Uh, I make, I really make time for my company during those times when my kids are at school or napping or, um, you know, someplace so that I can kind of maximize the amount of work that I get done. But for me, I, I feel strongly. I wake up every day that I love what I do. And I know that because I grew this company from nothing that I, I'm passionate about it. I love it. And that fuels all craziness that happens throughout the day. Um, I have extreme flexibility with my company, which is great. One of the kids gets sick. I can be there with them. I'm room mom to one kid. I get to go on all the field trips. All of that is gravy because I, I get to be flexible. But if I don't give my company the attention that it needs as a true company, it's not going to move forward. It's not going to continue to bring in revenue. And I know that. So I try to give it the most amount of attention that I can that you would give if you worked at an office from nine to five. It's just broken up into different um, chunks of time. Mm. Um, And I always say for me, my to-do list is really important for work. I don't get through it hundred percent all the way, but I know what needs to get done, what could get done and maybe what might get done, but can wait till tomorrow. Um, and I have always treated the company as if it was a major brand in the industry, even before it was, because I said, if I could treat it this way and I have discipline and I work really hard, I know that it's going to become a success. And I think no matter what stage your business is in, you need to be able to treat it with this sort of feeling of it's already a business, whether it's bringing in money or not. And if you treat it as a business, it's going to be a successful business. Mm. I love, I, yeah, I love how you said treating it as a major brand in the industry before it even was, and then putting yourself in that headspace and also like setting the intention to actually have that happen. 
What would you say is the one thing you've done in your business that has yielded the highest ROI, hands down? If, if listeners are tuning in and there's only one thing that they can do, what would you say that is? You know, I think spending time and money to make sure that the technology behind the company is the best it can be. Um, you know, there's a lot of blog platforms. There's a lot of, I don't want to, inexpensive or cheap ways you can make your company look like it's doing great or like even investing in just like kind of a halfway there logo. All of those things to me, I was like, this is so see-through. So the return on investment of investing money in A, great technology, right? So making sure that your site looks great, it runs great, you have great backup, um, you know, you have, you're spending money that you've trademarked things correctly. You know, I kind of take that all as like the technology behind the company to make sure that it's, it's not just um, on a platform or something that is not going to uh, perform well for you. You know, so really putting your money there is important because what happens is you're putting that money out, but the return on the investment is that then you look great to your advertisers. You are professional, you know, 10 years later now we need to make sure that the site is fresh and keeps up with kind of the look and feel of what's going on in the industry and, um, shaking things up every once in a while is a good thing. But if your technology is performing well, it looks great. Uh, then your, invest investors, whether it's an advertising company or a group of investors or a company that you want to work with or a manufacturer you might want to work with is going to invest their money with you because they believe that they know that you are a business, you're, you're treating it like a business. You, um, understand how important it is to make sure that you've kind of crossed all your T's and dotted all your I's. And then just a quick little side, I always say return on investment with the right people. If you can hire the right people, you're going to make money. You're going to make money because you're going to have the right people who can either talk about your brand, blog about your brand, um, bring it out to social media. So not just saying, okay, this, I'm sure this person can help me, or I'm sure this is going to be great. You know, you really need to think about who you're hiring and why. Um, we're still a really small company. I still do 90% of the, um, the things that you see for, for the company. But I'll take this as an example of like when I first hooked up with a great um, accountant, I thought, wow, this is kind of maybe outside of my budget because they're going to help me with monthly expenses and help us um, do all of our monthly accounting and then our bigger taxes. I thought, I can't afford this as a company. And somebody who I was speaking with in a meeting, who's the president of an internet company said to me, you know, I think that's money well spent because you're going to find that if you have somebody who's really dedicating the hours to where your money's going, how you can, um, you know, make your taxes kind of work for you. I was like, that's not in my skill set. I'm not doing that correctly. And all of a sudden I have this big company that I'm supposed to be do working like the taxes on and I'm self-employed, like all healthcare, all of these things were so scary to me. And this person said to me, look, if that's not in your skill set, you hire the right person, you're going to make money or you're going to be happy with that investment. And it was a hundred percent correct. So investing in the right people can bring in so much more money to your company than you think. Mm, amen to that. Oh, I know. And I feel like sometimes taking that leap is 
scary at first, but it is so true that when you can outsource the things that other people can do even better than you can, and also you're eliminating that emotional or energetic stress of it, makes such a world of difference because then you can create space to show up in the way that actually allows you to do your best work. Yeah, 100%. I agree with you. Yeah. So I have a few last questions. One of them I always ask is, what's been a really inspiring book for you? It doesn't have to be fiction or excuse me, it doesn't have to be business or nonfiction. It can be fiction or just a really good read that has made an impact in your life. Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I mean, I read a lot of wedding books after I got married because I was working on my first book and I started to see kind of where I thought like, oh, this is kind of interesting, but I think what readers really would like to see is something different. Um, so I think sticking with like the industry, I mean, I, I read so many wedding books. I think I, I know that's kind of like Mm -hmm. silly to say, but I read a lot of sort of the wedding inspiration books as I was trying to plan my first book because I wanted to see as I was already a bride, I'd already gotten married, like that some of that information needed to be kind of changed and that, that a, a book really needed to be a little bit more inspirational than what it was, a little bit more informative too. Um, Actually, so I, kinda, I was going to say to dive into that. Yeah, I, I wanted to touch on um, your books too. So you let's, let's take a pause on that last question and dive into, okay. So you're coming out with your sixth book, describe the books and what inspired them and what are they? So my first book was rustic wedding chic. Um, and it came out in 2012, I think 2000, I think I, yes, 2012 and barn weddings came out in 2013 and the Rustic Wedding Handbook came out in 2014. I know it was three books in three years. And the first book, Rustic Wedding Chic, was a crash course in learning how to write and produce a book. I signed a book deal in October um, of 2011. I had like a seven-month-old son. And the book needed to be in, completely done, 100% manuscript finished by January 1st. Oh, my and gosh. so. I, they, um, the publisher said to me, like, I know this is crazy. Most people need a year, but we really want to get this on the shelves. It's very timely. Do you think if you sign this book deal now, like October one, you can have everything to us by January one? I was like, yeah, no problem. I don't know how to write a book, but okay. (laughs) Um, you know, I was like, I'm not going to let this opportunity pass me by like, yeah, you want a book with my brand on it? Yeah, let's do it. Um, and so it, I learned really quickly what you had to do in order to like create a book. And they kept saying like, it's a 10,000 minimum word book. And I was like, yeah, I don't even know how many pages that is. You know, like I was like, yeah, sure. I can do it. Um, and I, I, I learned a lot, but I was, I loved creating, um, the, something you could hold in your hand because the whole company up to that point was just on the internet and there wasn't anything that you could hold in your hand and flip through the pages. And I love that we were kind of connecting or going to connect with our readers in a different platform. And that was exciting to me. And I was very excited that we were going to have a book on the shelf next to all these other books that I loved. Um, I'm a Martha Stewart junkie. Um, I had, I bought a a magazine that the not released when I was like a freshman in high school. I think I was like 15 years old that had all the best wedding dresses in it. It was kind of like a 
more expensive magazine, like a one-time edition of this. And I think it was like $20. So it was kind of like a, now would be like a book with like a soft cover. And I, I still have it. I stared at it. And so I, I couldn't believe that we were going to be on the shelf with these other companies and authors that I really respected. Um, and quickly after I turned Rustic Wedding Chicken and and came out, we had signed a deal to do barn weddings um, because that was the hottest trend at the time. And shortly after that, I, they asked me, what kind of book do you want to create? And I said, I think what our readers really want is more of a handbook, a how-to, how to plan it, how to pull it off, you know, what the look and style should be. And the Rustic Wedding hand, um, you know, was made that way. And that was a soft cover book, which I always thought was really fun because I think brides could kind of tote it around with them as they were um, shopping for ideas or meeting with their vendors. And we went and shot at a flea market in North Carolina about how you could use a flea market and find some great decorations and things. And it was just, it was an awesome book to produce because I got to be in the book a lot. And so I really felt like it was from me to the reader, um, as opposed to just the other two books, which were a lot of real weddings and a lot of photography from other vendors. Uh, we worked with one photographer on this book and we were able to bring so many great ideas. And I really felt like it was kind of like a love letter from me to my readers. Um, and I was really, really excited to do that book. And we followed it up with two adult coloring books at the time. Oh it my was gosh. Like the hottest trend. And we did um, Color Me Married and Welcome to Babyland. So we did one kind of for the Rustic Wedding Sheet Greeter and one for the Rustic Baby Sheet Greeter. And they were very successful. They came out right around the same time that all of the other adult coloring books were coming out. And um, it all started because I was talking with a friend who said, oh, I just print out pictures from blogs that are black and white so I can color in the pretty cakes and the pretty bridesmaids dresses. And I was like, done. Okay, here we go. Who can I get to draw some pictures for an adult coloring book. Um, that is awesome. It, yeah, it was, it was, it was a really fun process because it was still working in our industry, but in a slightly different way. And now I am working on a new wedding book, which will kind of take a, a look more at like what we call like the modern romantic look. So kind of as the rustic look has evolved through the years, um, to kind of what I feel is the kind of look for weddings, um, right now. Mm. Oh, well, I mean, you're definitely a pro at any sort of publishing thing at this point, which is awesome. I hope so, because usually I'm like doing it while like trying to get mac and cheese ready for somebody and like, you know, bouncing the baby on my hip because things are so crazy now than when they were all those years ago. But I um, I love being able to work in this sort of publishing world. It's so much fun because it's so different than working on the blog where you can change things daily. And when you pick images or you write words that are going to go in a book, they're going to live there. You don't, you don't get to change them, um, the way you can with the internet. So I love that. I, I really take time and effort to make sure what I'm saying is the, is what I want to say, how I want to say it. And cause it's going to live in that book forever. Mm-hmm. Well, um, well I, I think that's a great place to pause. And why don't you, I don't, if you have, a specific book. I know we'll dive back into the original question, but I love taking that detour for you to share us like about the books and also just different ones that you've created. And then um, we'll wrap up by you sharing where my listeners can find out more information about you and what you're working on for Rustic Wedding Chic as well. 
Yeah, so, you know, everyone can follow us um, and see what we're doing day-to-day on rusticweddingchic.com and our vendor guide where you can find wedding vendors and venues from across the country. We have over 5,000 vendors who have joined. Um, that's rusticweddingguide.com. You can also check us out at Rustic Baby Chic, of course. Um, and then all of our social handles, Rustic Wedding Chic on Instagram, Rustic Baby Chic, Rustic Living Chic. Um, you can follow what we're doing. And for more information on me or my tips on motherhood slash being an entrepreneur, you can check out MaggieLord.com. Amazing. Thank you. And I don't, did you say a book that you have that's your favorite? I, I don't have one. I can't think of a title that is like one that is just, I can't think of one right now. Or oh maybe my where's goodness. your like go to that you check out every day, like a resource or, and it, again, it doesn't have to be business. It's just very like a curious question. Um, let's see. I, well, I, I guess, I mean, I still go see what's going on. Like style me pretty.com and her Instagram. Like that was a big deal to me because she, kind of set the bar so high she was the first one outside of like a major company to create a wedding blog and I just thought like it was amazing and so I still find a lot of inspiration when I go to their beautiful um social outlets and they 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 have beautiful weddings but then they also have beautiful like homes and things to look at but I mean I should say like I like country living I'm a junkie for that coastal living (laughs) I love like the whole the whole vibe of not just like your home or your wedding. I like the whole feel of like a, an entire theme or an entire look. Mm, to- yes. No, I like, it's nothing. It's a really great feeling to show up on a website and just get that emotional like experience when you visit there and you're just like, Oh, that that's a place of, of home or like familiarity. So, well, this has been awesome, Maggie. Thank you so much. We'll link to uh, all your websites and connections and social media handles in the show notes. So you can check it out there, but want to thank you again for coming on the She Did It Her Way podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I love sharing my time with you. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast episode. For more information, check out SheDidItHerWay.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to leave me a review on iTunes and let me know what you think. Until next time, keep doing it your way.